This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. Yeah! What's going on, Raider Nation? Jumping into episode 27, rolling in hot. Off-season is full-blown going for it, man. We got some good stuff cooking. Chris, what's going on, man? Raider Cody, Raider Nation, what's going on? This week, the the vets and the rookies got to practice together for the first time. I'm pretty pumped about that. Some of that uh, media coming out from Raiders.com has been pretty cool, man. But I'm doing good, ready to talk Raiders, baby. Yeah, it's good to see these guys in the in their jerseys and their practice jerseys and their practice squad getting it together, uh, ready for it, man. It's exciting. Uh, you can just see that the the season is right around the corner, and I'm ready for it, man. Chris, you ready to jump into these announcements? Let's go, man. Mike Mayock and the Raiders are adding a reputable scout to the front office, hiring former Patriots national scout Dewan Daniels to the senior executive position. The broadcast team has been announced for the Monday Night Football season opener in Oakland against the Denver Broncos. As Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick will call the game from the booth, while Laura Rutledge will handle reports from the sidelines. Quarterback Derek Carr has welcomed his third child into the world. Also, a boy. Raider Nation welcomed Deacon Carr into the world. Former Raiders blocking tight end Lee Smith signed a three-year, $9 million deal with the Buffalo Bills, which coincidentally was where he spent his first four seasons in the NFL prior to signing with Oakland in 2015. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I saw that post come out with uh, Lee Smith going back to Buffalo. I thought that was kind of cool. I feel like he's kind of just genuine enough to be able to go back to Buffalo, enjoy his time. I, I just think he enjoys maybe just playing for two organizations his entire career. And I'm not sure Buffalo remembers what kind of player they're getting, uh, but I'm happy for Lee, man. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like some of those snow games in December, uh, they're just made for guys like Lee Smith, man. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. He just seems rugged with his beard and everything. He's a tough guy. And I think uh, that's the, the perfect fit for him, honestly, and I'm happy for him. Yeah, good stuff for them. But Chris, just like usual, we've kind of made a, a routine of this. We've got another good guest coming on. Uh, we got Robert Carr coming in. Uh, I want to get a little bit of opinion on what's going on. He's been around the Raiders for a long time on the sideline. Um, I don't really want to waste any more time with this, Chris. You ready to give him a phone call? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get him on the phone. So joining us now, we have Robert Carr an NFL sideline photographer that's been covering the Raiders since 2002. And you're also the man behind RaidersFans.net 
and the Silver and Black Report. Bob, how you doing, man? Pretty good, Cody. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed recently I've been tracking a little bit uh, extra close on Twitter here, and I noticed your son uh, attended one of Marshawn Lynch's camps. You want to tell us a little bit about that? <clears throat> yeah, that was awesome. Um, you know, Marshawn Lynch, um, Josh Johnson, and Marcus Peters, they have what's called Fan First, and uh, they do these free football camps for kids. And they came to Honolulu recently where I live. Um, they did a uh, two different age groups. They did from six to ages six to 12 and 12 to 18. And ours was first thing in the morning. I have two boys. I have a six and eight year old. Signed both okay. up. And uh, my, little, my little guy wasn't feeling it. He was all, he was all <laughs> excited. Oh, yeah, I'm going to play beast mode. This and that. Got him all pumped up. And uh, when push came to shove in the morning, he's like, uh, nah, dad, you know what? I want to take pictures with you. I'm like, all right, cool. He'd be my assistant. So my eight-year-old uh, participated with one of his friends. And, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of shysty, you know. And uh, they're, they're, they had him do, like, individual football drills, agility drills, this and that. And I took a photo of Marcus Peters. He called him, like, in the middle of running this, uh, this agility drill. And Marcus grabbed him, pulled him to the side. He said something to him. And he made him do push-ups, right? <laughs> oh, so he yeah. hovered over him. Right? He hovered over him. Over him. And uh, he made my son do, like, 10 push-ups as he continued to drill. So later that night, they, they had a, a thing at uh, um, kind of like a David Buster. It's called Lucky Strike here in Hawaii. I'm not sure if we have them in California or not, but oh, okay. Marshawn and Marcus, everybody came out. I met Marcus for the first time, and I pulled my phone out. I said, hey, man, I appreciate you. He's like, why is that? I said, because you did this to my boy. <laughs> and he just started, he started dying. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, man, like, just because he's you know eight years old, don't let him cheat. They have to be accountable. Right? Yeah. So. It was it was a really cool event. Uh, Marshawn's a hell of a businessman. He had uh, a ton of sponsors sponsoring the event. Um, first class all the way around. They gave the yeah. kids T-shirts. They taught them. They got to learn from NFL you know, stars and players. Uh, fed the kids. Uh, gave them a, a bag to go. Like just first class all the way around. Yeah, there you go, man. That's legit. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit jealous. Uh, that's gonna be something I'm gonna be looking into whenever my boy gets a little bit older. But um, I got to say, Robert, I'm excited yeah, to have you on here um, for the most part, man. I, I got a lot of respect for you, man. You started covering these Raiders uh, on the sideline. Around the time, I think I found myself getting really heavily invested into the team. Uh, maybe, you know, around 2002, 2003, uh, just shortly mm-hmm. after, you know, the, the game and the play that I don't really want to talk about right now on this on this interview. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've been heavily invested during this time of trial, dysfunction, lots of losing. Um, how has, you know, these last, you know, the, this this decade or so, how has all this, you know, grown you as a reporter? And more importantly, how has it grown you as a fan of this Raiders football team? Well, Cody, man, I go way back. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, playing Pop Warner football, my uniforms were silver and black. We were the Northeast Spartans, and we were like the the typical product we're used to on the field in Oakland. We won, uh-huh. we lost our first season, and the second season we won our first game. I mean, we were so stoked. You know, we're you know seventy eight years old. We partied like you wouldn't believe winning <laughs> that first game. My dad was a Raiders fan in the Madden era. So he, he, was, he was kind of a bandwagon fan because he was a huge, huge Raiders fan <laughs> in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And we started to lose, and he kind of went in different directions. Oh, man. But for me, I've always stayed loyal. You know, I'm yeah. like, hey, I'm a Raiders fan. I've been a Raiders fan since I was a kid. I was nine years old when we beat the Redskins in the Super Bowl. 
I won 20 bucks to my uncle. And, uh, I mean, it's one yeah. of my favorite moments as a kid, you know, but, uh, but, uh, that inspired me, um, you know, in my personal life, um, you know, I, I've, I've worked in IT my entire career right out of college and, um, back in the early, late nineties, early two thousands, um, I was doing a lot of web development, a lot of coding back then. And I said, you know, one day when I have some free time, I'm not so bombarded with these huge projects. I want to make my own Raiders fan website because everything out there wasn't moderated by Raider fans or was just a big corporation, you know, trying to get people to, 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 to view these websites. Yeah. For, yeah. You know, for to make, to make money from ads and stuff like that. And man, I just started my own site back in Oh two things. Dot com finally um, busted. And we had, we had a lot of free time on our hands at the time. <laughs> and I started this small little community, man. I was living in New Jersey at the time. And I'm like, you know what? This, this Raider fans on that is going to be for just Raider fans. It's going to be mod- uh, moderated by Raider fans, ran by Raider fans. Yeah. Um, no outside influences. And it's going to be for us. Back in the day, there was a brand called FUBU, right? For us, by us. That was kind of my motto when it came <laughs> to my site. It was, you know, we want to do something different, you know? Um, and one of the members of my site back then, uh, another guy also from Eric, uh, from Jersey, shout out to my boy, Eric Strauss, uh, hit me up. He's like, Hey, I'm a member of your site. Um, have you ever thought about getting media credentials? Hmm. And I'm like, you know, I'm a programmer. I'm a developer. I don't know Jack about, uh, media. Yeah. So I said, I'll tell you what, you come down, I'll get a case of beer. We'll talk about it. Right. <laughs> so he came down to my house and he, he, he was the editor for the star ledger paper in new jersey at the time uh legitimate media background journalism whole nine um and he taught me he's like this is what you do you know to to cover events and cover sporting events or games or, or media and what have what have you um so i started reaching out to the raiders and uh i said listen you know we want to cover a game they said no back then it was tv film and print yeah and they laughed at me you know, it was it was really tough. Then um, I'm very persistent. Um, I have a problem with no. <laughs> so, <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, I, I would say uh, six months uh, into me, you know, getting on their nerves, um, they finally gave me a shot. There you go. Uh, we were the first first website ever to get media credentials that was, uh, you know, credentialed by the Raiders and then eventually by the NFL. One issue I had, though, is the PR director who gave us the credentials, uh, rest in peace to Craig Long, uh, he passed away. He was 36, 37 years old, had some type of heart condition, I believe, um, and I lost my connections. So I had to mm. reapply the following year for media credentials, and I was told no again. And um, we, once again, I went on this six, seven-month path of not liking the word no, and they gave me another shot. Um, and I've been covering the team since then. So I have a staff, I have a, I have a blogger, I have a video guy in Oakland and photographer. He's awesome. Shout out to, uh, DeMarcus Davis and Chris McLean. There you um, go. that rounds, that rounds out my staff. But yeah, I mean, it, for me, Cody, I don't mean to be so long winded, but I'm very passionate when we talk about things like this. But, um, for me, um, photography and the Raiders has always been a passion project of mine. I don't do it for money. I don't do it for a lot of reasons. People do things 
you know, or motivated by it. For me, it's all passion. So um, no, when I'm on the sidelines, yeah, dude, like uh, I'll be the first one on the field and I'll be one of the last, last ones to leave. So I want to try to get those candid moments um, of players interacting, interacting with fans, stuff like that. End of the day, I may have the same uh, credentials and access as mainstream and local beat writers and mainstream media, but I've never looked at this job as, hey, I'm a member of the media. The players trust me. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, they, they know I'm not going to leak something that I shouldn't leak or, you know, put them in any type of negative light. I'm a, I'm a fan first, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, dude, I love that stuff. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on here. Uh, I, I see kind of as like the OG of something that we're trying to like imitate now. You know, we get on here, we're doing this podcast. We're, we're just being fans, enjoying this team. And I love hearing stories like yours. I'm, I'm glad you're able to kind of talk about even the transition uh, through the PR department and the Raiders, still giving you second chances or, or uh, hearing you out and let you get in there and get your, your credentials again. Um, and, and I love that you're still committed through this, you know, through and through. I mean, it doesn't matter uh, if we're, if we're 14 or, or 12 and four or, or, or two and 14, man, you, you seem like you're the same genuine dude, uh, just trying to put out good content, just trying to cover the Raiders, um, in, in the best way possible. Uh, we can relate to that personally because this, this podcast fired up, uh, we were like one in seven last year. I think we just got our butts kicked by the 49ers. Uh, so yeah, I can probably see we're not going anywhere, man. But, uh, through this whole roller coaster, uh, of course, you know, we were, we were, uh, seven and nine in 2015, 12 and four in 2016. And of course, in 2017 and 18, we kind of went from 16 and 10 to 4 and 12. Uh, is there any kind of hope that you see, or any kind of trend you see in this season in this front office, or the or the changes that that Mayock and Gruden are making this year? What kind of hope do we have, Robert, uh, for the 2019 season? You know, I think you have to look back uh, at least a year or so, right? Look at the MAC trade, and you look at if you if you understand the the NFL side of Let's take, take, take the fanness or fandom away from this. Look at other NFL teams. How many teams have two players on their roster making 20 mil plus? Yeah. Right? And with as great as Mac is, probably the best defensive uh, end in football, um, can you really afford to pay this guy knowing how bad the team is around him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you have a few cornerstone pieces. So, man, yeah, I, I was upset. I, I have a Mac jersey, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I met Khalil. I, I shot him at the draft. I met his mom. I met his family at the Pro Bowl. Like, there's a personal connection there too. But I understand the business side, and what gives me hope is actually getting rid of Matt and having some capital now, and saying, you know what, we need extra draft picks. And I love what they did this year. I, I was praying, like, please. I know all the mock drafts are saying Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be there. 2427. I'm like, man, please, God, please. I hope nobody jumps up and takes it. Because <laughs> yeah. um, he, he, he's one piece we desperately needed. Um, we've had secondary help for years, uh, secondary issues. Um, so I think we finally got one in Abram. Um, and uh, Cleland uh, Farrell, you know, for months, and I, I, and I follow you guys on Twitter too, for months, all the talk was, oh, Derek Carr, is, you know, he's on the trading block. He's this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, if nobody realized at the draft what was going on and all the buildup up until the draft, what they were trying to do, it's so obvious. Yeah. I mean, sure, you're going to dangle Carr out there and say, oh, yeah, we're going to take this quarterback. We're going to take a quarterback because you want someone to trade up to your spot so you can move back and take Farrell at yeah. maybe not four, maybe at 
six or seven or eight, wherever they thought he may fall to. And that didn't work, so they took their guy at four. Then you have a lot of fans that are upset about the pick because Mel Kuyper or some wannabe GM or, or, or football analyst that isn't working in the NFL for a reason <laughs> said that it's a bad pick. I mean, those, that stuff drives me crazy. So, I mean, I, I like what the team has done this year. I, I'm a huge fan of Mayock. Um, I don't think there's a better talent evaluator out there. Um, Gruden didn't have all the pieces last year. It, it's, it's very obvious. Um, there's been a ton of leaks in, in, in 1220 um, Harbor Way Parkway in Alameda for years. I'm glad Gruden said, hey, um, you know, and that's the other thing, too. The, the national media made a big deal about kicking out all the uh, scouts. Yeah. And it's like, what else is there them, for them to do? Like, if exactly. you're familiar with that process, draft. Uh, draft um, um, once you hand in your position um, uh, breakdowns of players, you've done your job. So when it comes to draft day, do you think a scout's going to give their opinion? They're going to think Drew's going to say, hey, John, what do you think of so-and-so? You know, what's your, what's your gut telling you? Like, all that work's been done for months. So having extra scouts and extra eyes in the room, it means nothing, you know? But yeah. um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Carr, man. I, I like, I like the, 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 uh, the Antonio Brown. He's a workaholic. Um, it would have been cool to get his cousin. Um, yeah, that'd have been that'd have been pretty nice. We got him, but you know, he went to the Ravens. But um, I, I like the core. I like the fact that they're drafting. Back in the Al Davis era, we would draft athletes and specimens based on what they could do or what their ceiling is. Now we're drafting characters, and we're, yeah. we're drafting high character guys. You know, people that uh, they not only can they play ball, but they're stand up people. You know, you, yeah. you want guys that are gonna. Gel. If you look at the Warriors, right? I mean, it's just a team first mentality. Um, it kind of seems like the Raiders trying to go on that route too. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for 2019. Um, it's not a popular opinion, but I'm excited for 2020. Um, you know, I don't understand the division between Bay Area fans, and LA fans, and I mean, it's a Raider nation, man. Like, um, I've I've never lived in Oakland. Um, lived in California for eight years, but I grew up in Jersey. I was a Raiders fan when they were in LA. Moved to California for eight years. Lived in Northern California, but not near Oakland. Um, and I'll follow them wherever they go. There you go, Mr. Carr. Chris here. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I can relate to you with the Mac jersey thing. I'm actually looking at mine hanging on my man cave right now. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, you've obviously spent your share of afternoons in the Oakland Coliseum. And with the Raiders, you know, moving to Las Vegas soon and this, you know, probably more than likely being their last year in Oakland. Can you talk about a moment or a game or an afternoon um, that kind of kind of stands above the rest in terms of your memory of many memories that you had in the Oakland Coliseum that you could talk about that was extra special to you above all else? Man, that's a, that's a tough one because there's so many. Um, I, I look at these past few seasons, to be honest. We sold out the Coliseum. You know, and I think if they would have they would have taken the tarp off of the Mount Davis area, we would have sold those seats out too. Yeah. And we are a bad team, right? And our fans show up, man. You know, mm-hmm. there there was one game um, a few seasons ago we were like zero and ten, um, and we were sold out. Yeah. The fans were there the entire game. 
the Raider Nation chants, the Raiders chants, they, they, you know, the hairs on my back stand up when I hear it fourth quarter. I mean, here we are, 0-10. Oh, wow, we're, gonna, we're actually going to win a game. And our, <laughs> our fans show up. Other, other teams go across the bay. Go to, go to the Niners. Yeah. Um, they stop winning. Their fans don't show up. They keep their cheese and their wine at home, and you know they they might catch the news later to see if their team won. Like, I mean, there's just for me that's I mean that that's just a testament to our fan base, um, you know. But there's been a lot of moments. I think if I had to pull one out, it would be Charles Woodson's uh, last home game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charles, man, he just uh, he won off that game. Um, you know, he, he grabbed the mic at the end of the game. He's telling the fans, hey, man, we're not done, this and that. And a couple of photographer buddies got some really nice shots of me getting shots of Charles. That's cool. Um, that's all framed and whatnot. Uh, very special moments. And to see him interact with his former teammates in Green Bay, um, you know, just, just a really cool um, moment, you know, recent yeah. moment. I'm glad uh, I'm glad your buddy was getting shots of you and not shots of me because I'm pretty sure I was I was bawling like a baby during that final speech, man. I'm just like hair standing up. I'm just like, yeah, Charles, tell it, man, we're still here. And I'm just like all all into it, man. That was that was definitely uh, that's cool that you were there. And that just it's just a testament. Uh, that's why I respect you, man, so much. It's pretty cool, dude. But um, I gotta say, I, I love everything that you came in here and you said. Um, I love how you're kind of talking about even Cleveland bringing Cleveland in here. Uh, talking about the trades, talking about the baits, talking about uh, acting like we're going to hang Derek Carr out there, like we're going to take another quarterback. That's good stuff, man. I think it's just showing uh, kind of, I guess, the media bend that Mike Mayock and John Gruden were trying to do. Um, and like I said, man, this is good stuff. I love your passion. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, no matter what, man, Oakland, Vegas, um, I'm glad you're kind of feeling a little bit neutral with that. Uh, but I, I got to agree with you, man. Oakland fans, uh, Oakland Stadium, Oakland Coliseum, that vibe. Uh, that's going to be a hard one to replicate, but uh, I'm still I'm still looking forward to Vegas a little bit. Yeah, don't never don't never ever ever recreate that special thing we have in Oakland. Period. Like the tailgating experience. I mean, that's an NFL yeah. business move, though. If you go to yeah, any right. modern NFL stadium, tailgating areas are over. Like they don't want you to drink totally. and have a good time and party in the tailgate. They mm-hmm. want you to come in and spend all your money. They want you to yeah. spend twelve bucks on that bottle of Modelo versus bringing your own. 12 pack for 12 bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, 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 it's all financial. And I, I went to Vegas when they first did the, um, the groundbreaking, there's no parking out there. It's all going to be shuttles. So yeah. we're not going to have that, that killer vibe. Um, when you either get off the bar or like we actually pre, I mean, actually pre tailgate, we have friends that, uh, they line up at six so they can be first in line to get in, to get a good spot when uh-huh. the gates open at eight. So um, that that's all gone, man. When we go to Vegas, so like for the for the fans that said, "Oh, I'm not gonna go my last season," this and that, I'm not gonna read my tickets. Like, man, enjoy it, man. This is special yeah. time right now for us. We'll never have this again. Um, go to the home opener, man. Go to the last game of the year. That's what I'm going there for. You know, and yeah. uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it while we have it. You know, exactly. Vegas that's is gonna a, be a different kind of fun. Yes, sir. You know that exactly you're you're spot on with that man that's exactly kind of where i sit too as as i was extremely bummed i'm not gonna lie last year whenever they kind of cut it short and it, it made it sound like we weren't gonna have one last year at the oakland coliseum because uh, for the most part towards the end of the last year um it was actually my 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 daughter had just been born so i was kind of 
in the in the zone of well I can't really leave I'm you know three hours or three and a half hours away from the stadium I can't just leave you know a, a one month old baby on Christmas Eve you know with my wife to go enjoy this last game so I'm like man dude like really this is it I'm like okay well I guess we'll get to enjoy it at least with the family uh, at home and then it turns out luckily yeah. uh, we got things done and and hopefully everyone else too uh, not just us is uh, forgiving enough to go there and just give it one last ride. And that's kind of where I sit, whether it's tailgating, whether whether it's anything, man, just I'm just trying to cherish every minute of it because it's, it's something that, just like you said with the tailgating, it's not going to be replicated. Um, I'm, I'm going to go through smart and final just the last you know last few times, uh, loading up my cart and uh, saying my goodbyes to smart and final and Costco and, uh, <laughs> and do this thing, man. 2019 <laughs> right. is going to be one for the books, man. Yeah, like I said, Cody, like this is this is our last shot. You know, this is our last time in Oakland, man. Like, go out there, support the team, enjoy it, enjoy these moments, enjoy this time that we have. Um, twenty twenty, we we will be in we will be in uh, Las Vegas. Um, like we talked about that tailgating experience, um, that vibe that we currently have. I mean, they won't replicate that in Vegas, but like I said, it'll be a different type of fun in Vegas. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%, Robert. Sure, and uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on here tonight and breaking this down with us. Uh, like I said, I have a lot of respect for your work. Uh, and I'm going to say it over and over again. You're kind of the kind of the OG of what we're trying to do. We're trying to replicate you a little bit. Uh, I love what you bring. We love the well, we love the attitude. We love the way you cover the Raiders. Um, that's really good stuff, man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we'll still be here, and we really appreciate this phone call, Robert. We hope you have a great night, man. Yeah, hey, you too. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck to you. Take care, Robert. Go Take Raiders. care, man. Right. Yeah, go Raiders. So yeah, Chris, that was a pretty good call there from Robert Carr. Uh, for those that are really interested, I mean, I really hope you guys already kind of follow him anyways and keep up with what his site's doing over there. But make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Bob Carr NFL. Um, he's pretty active on Twitter. I love the stuff he shares. Keeps it pretty neutral, nothing crazy. Definitely a great follow. Chris, what did you think about the phone call? Man, my favorite part was just the fact that he said, oh, I have all the you know media access and everything, but I've never looked at it. Like it was a job. I never did it for that. I did it because I love the Raiders because I'm a fan. And I think that perspective is just really special. And as someone that's a fan, right, that doesn't have all that, I could just really appreciate. I could feel just the him bleeding silver and black, man. I like that. Yeah, that was a good that was a good thing. There's a lot of I could take a lot of tidbits from that from what he gave us. But for some reason, whenever he started talking about uh, taking Cleveland Farrell and talking about I kind of brought it up a little bit already in the interview, but talking about uh, hanging Derek Carr out there, I guess to you know ma- making it look like to the media like we well, you know we're going to take a quarterback or or possibly trade Derek. You know, for some reason something pops in my head that uh, obviously we we're trying to sell either a quarterback at our spot or sell a quarterback before our spot. You know, make it look like our options are open. Maybe a, a quarterback hungry team is going to trade up. Obviously, that wasn't really the thing. I mean, who we thought? I mean, Dwayne Haskins was was a guy that we thought could be a top five quarterback where, where did he go you know like 17 or something yeah, he felt no, pretty yeah, far pretty sure he went 15 to washington if i'm yeah, not mistaken so. pretty dang far daniel jones was kind of getting you know reached at um and the way i see it is maybe people are trying to say like oh we could have traded down and still got him maybe that could be true you know that could be possible maybe maybe we could have traded down to 12 and still got cleland maybe we could have traded further and still got cleland but why was there no team that wanted to trade with us, Chris? Was there not enough talent at our spot? Obviously, there wasn't something intriguing enough to want teams to trade up right there to number four. To me, I don't know, man. After those first few players got got taken off the board, everything else from there was just you're taking the player you like and the player you trust, 
And uh, that's what we, that's what we're rolling with, man. And and Cleland, um, a, a lot of people are still trying to say, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot um, at number four with taking him outside of Raider Nation, of course. I think all Raider fans are kind of jumping on board after really investigating into it. But man, Chris, I just feel like for some reason. I'm not seeing it's much of a reach anymore because I just feel like if there was so much more talent we could have taken to that spot instead, a team would have traded up with us, man. I don't know. That's just I, me. I do. I'm with you, Cody. I think Bob brought up a really good point uh, when you said, you know, Mayock's the best talent evaluator in the NFL. And I'm sure Mayock knew just how far he could trade back where he wouldn't get in the range where Cleveland could get taken. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't probably maybe he did get an offer for them to trade back, but it was too far and he didn't feel comfortable losing Cleveland. And look, if you're in love with the player, don't risk it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to lose out on him and then be like, exactly. oh, yeah, we got a later we'll pick. But we guy. lost the guy we wanted. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we got to just trust that, you know, we're playing chess, not checkers. And, you know, we got to we got to live with the results. And hey, man, we, we got a guy that's I think going to make an impact pretty early here. We're actually breaking down the defensive line this week. Uh, we've done this before. Uh, we broke it down early in the offseason, uh, which means we really have no reason to cover every other player that's still on the roster from last season. Uh, but coming into free agency in the draft, uh, we only had one defensive end on the roster, man, Arden Key, uh, who we we're obviously hoping makes the jump for us. Um, we have a large amount of interior offensive linemen uh, that carried over from last year. Also, you know, you got fan favorite Mo Hurst, PJ Hall, Jonathan Hankins, Justin Ellis. And even Gabe Wright, uh, I think he was activated for the last few games of last year. And guess what, Chris? We still have a kind of a little bit of a surprise, a little, little, little sneaker in there that's coming in for camp to compete again. Eddie Vanderdose, UCLA defensive lineman, our 2017 third-round pick, who actually burst onto the scene as rookie year man in preseason. Everyone showed, uh, everyone loved how physical he was and how versatile he was. Six foot four, 300 pounds, man. Um, he's able to hold his ground against the run finds unique ways to get pressure on the passer um, and I really started to, he really started getting a groove down the stretch of that season that 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 uh, rookie year and then he unfortunately tore his ACL during the season finale um, he suffered a, a couple setbacks uh, after that year during getting gearing up for the next year which led uh, John Gruden uh, placing him on the physically unable to perform list the PUP list, the infamous PUP list you always hear about. The pup uh, list, man. The yeah. pup <laughs> list, man. It's always, unfortunately for Eddie. <laughs> exactly, man. For Eddie, it's just been kind of, I think, a nightmare for him, man. It ended his campaign last year, but he's back. Um, he, he's had a lot of extra rest, a lot more than what he's needed. Uh, he's coming in for his third year now. And actually, unfortunately, now he's in a very, very crowded defensive line room, um, at least. For his services, you know, um, if he has any chance of making that 53, man, he needs to at least stay healthy uh, the entire offseason, and then he needs to be able to compete with these guys. Chris, what, where do you see a spot for Eddie on this team, man? Well, I think the kind of the, you know, the highest point for Eddie in terms of his career was that week one 2017 game in Tennessee. I thought he played really well. I mean, yeah. he showed an array of moves with power, great hand usage, uh, you know, and then I thought he was – you know, here and there uh, the rest of the season, but he's just a rookie, right? And yeah. then you talked about the devastating injury to end the season in L.A. That was just a really crappy way for him to lose the whole entire next season and the mm-hmm. first season of the new regime. But I think Eddie's can play. It, you're definitely, though, when you look at the interior uh, defensive line talent that they have, the guys that they drafted last year, and, you know, you look at Eddie and, and the type of division the Raiders are in with, 
the, the really good quarterbacks, Mahomes and Rivers, uh, they're going to be throwing the football a lot, and that's going to put kind of those uh, two-down defensive tackles like Eddie in, in already kind of behind the eight ball as it is. And, and then you look at, you know, the guys he has to compete against. There's no, uh, you know, much more expensive option that, you know, he can, you know, maybe beat out. Ty goes to him because he's cheaper. He's competing against a bunch of guys that are cheap, like Gabe Wright, yeah. Ronald Ollie from Last Chance U. We'll get to talk about him. Uh, and then, you know, you got the draft capital studs and, uh, you know, PJ Hall and Maurice Hurst. So exactly. I think Eddie can play, but he's going to have to really find a role in Gunther's system. And uh, and when he does have his opportunities in those situations like goal line or run down, stuff like that, he has to really make a difference. He's got to be kind of dominant in his opportunities. So if he isn't anything special, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's let go in late August, but I'm pulling for him and I like to do he's from UCLA. So, you know, he, uh, he, you know, I'm down in Southern California, so I knew all about him when we drafted him. And uh, I think he's a good player. And if he's not on the Raiders, he'll definitely be on an NFL roster next year, though. Yeah, Eddie's definitely ra- rounding out a crowded defensive interior defensive line room. Uh, no doubt something to look for. Um, and just like what I just stated earlier, Arden Key coming into free agency in the draft, or uh, should I say the beginning of free agency only as our only uh, defensive end on the roster. So we came in, I wouldn't say we made a splash, but we took care of a little bit of a need. Um, we're looking at that strong side defensive end, um, and, and we go after Josh Morrow. That was our, our first free agent acquisition at our glaring need this offseason defensive end. And more precisely, like I said, a strong side defensive end. Formerly signed as an undrafted free agent by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2014. Uh, he was plucked off their practice squad, I think, midway through his rookie season by the Cardinals. Um, he finished well for them that year. He started 13 games for him, uh, his sophomore campaign, earned a two-year extension. Um, and guess who his defensive line coach was his entire career in Arizona, man? That's the Raiders' new yeah. defensive line coach, Brinston Buckner. Uh, he was with the Cardinals for five seasons um, before coaching in Tampa that last year. Uh, so he knows our guy Josh all too well. Um, obviously, I'd say a little bit of a situational guy. Uh, he's pretty much had little to no effect, I would say, in uh, pass rushing his entire career but he's been a very good player against the run very stout uh, he's like six foot six an absolute monster right there on the side um, of course that's not going to come in into play for us too much uh, but in short yardage situations man I think that's a good acquisition I think we can really count on count on him to make a play make a stop um, but uh, the last piece of information I have on him is uh, he was suspended on the f- for the first four games of last year uh, for PEDs, uh, which he blamed an over-the-counter pre-workout for, uh, the positive test. Nonetheless, no red flags, really. Um, what do you think of our first defensive line acquisition, uh, Josh Morrow, Chris? Well, I was just glad at the time that we signed someone who can play defensive end. You know, so I was just kind of <laughs> like, give well, you anybody. brought one in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you talked about the Buckner connection there. I think he's a guy who's a veteran and he knows what Buckner wants. So mm-hmm. he's going to have that experience that I think to explain to his teammates, you know, uh, you know, kind of translate from a player's perspective of Buckner's system. So there's benefit in that. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, am, am I looking at him as a high impact player? No, but he'll have the chance to compete in the offseason. Uh, you know, I would say that the fact that he's, you know, going on what his sixth season might yeah. be held against him a little bit. He's going to have to really show their separation between him and some of the rookies. So uh, it's going to be tough for him, but maybe he does have a little bit of an edge knowing the system. And, you know, you talked about, you know, pass rush ability sacks. I mean, he has three sacks in 59 games. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, you're right. I mean, there's not a lot there, but that's not really his forte, right? He's a run guy. 
and uh, you know he can uh, you know get in there, be physical, and, and stop the run in those situations. And kind of like we just talked about Vanderdose, you know, his in his uh, limited role, he's going to have to be pretty dang good at it yeah. in order to have a chance. Yeah, I agree, I agree completely. And uh, after snagging our first dip, of course, you hit it spot on. I was just happy to see us get a defensive end at that point. Yeah, um, man. <laughs> we had no one at that time, dude. Oh, man. It was, it was just Arden Key and then just a ghost on the other oh, side. Like, well, yeah, what are we sure going to put there? Uh, someone tweeted out, the Raiders can have a practice now. <laughs> <laughs> we got a full starting defense now. Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> uh, then after that, man, after we grabbed Josh Morrow, uh, we decided we we, we were going to dip into the the AAF player pool after the you know the wannabe uh, semi pro league shut its doors. Um, uh, might have been a little harsh. I don't want to say wannabe semi pro league, but nonetheless, man, it it was a cool signing. Uh, the former Detroit Lion and Arizona native uh, to compete for some depth here at defensive end. Nothing super flashy. Again, I mean he's coming from the AAF. wasn't obviously super highly sought after. Um, but a guy that plays a little bit of his chip on his shoulder, Chris, um, I know you feel some type of way here about Alex. Uh, why don't you talk more about him for us? Yeah, I've actually talked about it on the show before, but, uh, you know, he was playing uh, for the San Diego fleet. I think they were called the fleet. Nonetheless, yeah. it was in San Diego. And, uh, you know, he uh, he went to San Diego State. And so the AAF team was playing in the same stadium where where he was playing in college, where his dad used to watch him and his dad passed away. So him playing for San Diego in that stadium where his dad used to watch him kind of playing for his father was a, it was a really cool story. Uh, you know, I even posted about it on Twitter and, and so it just automatically made me root for him. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's kind of an underdog in that situation and he's playing for all the right reasons. So I'm pulling for him to make an impact and make a jump. But, uh, you know, obviously he's played on, he's appeared in only two games in 2017 in the NFL for the Detroit lions. So there's not a lot to go off of there. Uh, but if he can, you know, show that he has some pass rush ability, he can easily make this roster because, you know, nonetheless, even with the draft pick, we don't have a lot of guys that are necessarily, uh, you know, NFL sack artists. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if he can show that, you know, maybe uh, he has some ability there and he can make some impact, he can find himself, you know, on the field this year. So I would say he's got an uphill battle to to make this roster. But, you know, if, if he shows that, that he can hang, man, they'll have a spot for him. And I like how you say that, too, because, you know, we talk about John Gruden and Mike Mayock bringing in draft picks with, you know, high character guys or high energy guys, leaders on this team. I don't think that's just going to stop short at what we did in the draft. I think that's going to come around to deciding this 53 altogether. I like how you point that mm -hmm. out. You know, if Barrett comes in here and is kind of a low key leader, brings that energy in. Uh, I agree with you, man. He has a, he has a shot of making that roster. And yeah i mean i like to i like to say we're pretty deep but it's, there's just so much competition at defensive end uh, yeah. outside of like two or three oh. guys i think the door's wide open man you're you're right dude and also too i mean you look at some of we have key right you look at some of our draft picks but you don't know i mean uh maybe key or i hate sis but maybe key or crosby get hurt you know then barrett's really thrust into a situation where he has a great opportunity so yeah he's got to take full advantage of it and show and you never know how things work out this is football man injuries happen and It'll be it'll be nice to you know he'll have the opportunity to make it in the NFL. He was in the AAF, man. That's all you can ask in that situation, is to get yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, He's exactly. got that opportunity. I'm pulling for him. Yeah, absolutely. And then after him, we decided to bring in another familiar face here, Benson Mayoa. He played for us in 2014 and 2015. Really came in and made an impact for us towards the end of that 2015 season. He's been pretty much the ultimate role player throughout his entire career. Uh, the later's the. Uh, 
the Raiders let him walk uh, after that um, 2015 season. Not necessarily a huge loss, but I know Raiders fans really liked him. Um, and after the recent pass rush struggles, man, I think we can all agree we're happy to have him back. Just kind of get more competition <laughs> in there. Chris, how do you feel about adding uh, our, our last free agent acquisition there in Benson Mayoa? Well, yeah, I mean, he's an NFL player who's had, like, you know, a few sacks in his time. Yeah, uh, more than three. Games, so I'm, I'm taking it, yeah. I mean, he's got 13 career sacks in 72 games. So to me, that's yep. like, wow, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously at the end of the 2015 season, uh, he was a restricted free agent. He signed a deal with Dallas. Raiders could have matched it. They didn't. I was a little bummed when they let him go. Uh, you know, he can definitely play. He's not... You know, uh, uh, you know, he's not a star player by any means, but he's an effective player when he's in there. And he also provides nice depth if he's not a starter. So, uh, you know, he knows he knows the game. He knows his way around Oakland and he knows what it's about to be a Raider. So I was happy to, to have him signed and brought back. And then obviously, you see, we're pretty much banking on the draft now at this point. You know, we, we covered these few players. Uh, you see kind of what we're already dealing with on our roster. We had Arden Key coming in here as pass rush. Out of these few guys, nothing spectacular. I mean, I'm not going to knock the signings, uh, but we, we definitely need to add some starting caliber talent to that. Um, and going into this draft here, if you missed anything, um, if you're looking for us to cover this entire draft, if you're just now stepping into our episode or stepping into our show now, make sure you tune back the dial a little bit to episode 24. We covered all these players. Uh, but for defensive line purposes, uh, we're going to talk about our first uh, draft pick here. The number four overall pick, Cleveland Farrell, coming out of Clemson, six foot four, two hundred sixty-five pounds, and I think he might already be the best pass rusher on our roster. Um, and he hasn't even played a snap for us yet, man. He has obviously he was he was drafted as a cornerstone type player to come in and be a leader, not only for the young guys but just for years to come. Um, but leadership only goes so far here. It's a production league. Cleveland obviously has an open seat for him at the strong side defensive end spot, and I'm banking on him being that uh, being in the backfield the most man I'm, I'm banking on him being that sure fire pick uh that has the versatility we, we needed and uh he can rush a passer man he can stuff the run uh can he be on the field every snap no matter the situation chris <sighs> i think he can man i think this is this is our player it, it was a good pick uh, we've obviously talked about his character too much um but chris what do you have to say about our, our number four overall pick cleveland farrell stepping into this defense well i think you know, in terms of being a complete three down defensive end, we got the second best one in the draft behind Nick Bosa mm -hmm. because Cleland is fantastic against the run. He's strong. He has great hand usage. He knows how to move a body out of the way. He's a very smart player. And then when you talk about rushing the passer off the edge, he knows how to technically just disassemble an offensive tackle throughout the, you know, the game. You see him, you watch his film. At the beginning of the game, he spends a lot of time figuring out the offensive tackle. And by the end of the game, he will have worn him down and figured out what he's good at and what he's not good at. And so I think he just takes his studying that he did all week and he goes and he tries an array of moves and he really gets to fully like technically diagnose the strengths and weaknesses of the offensive tackle. And that's just that's just him seeing the game on another level. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, they get to the NFL, I think, and coaches try to instill that in them. But mm -hmm. Cleveland's already had had that instilled in him he already has that that's why i think he's going to be a high floor player right away people talk about his limited ceiling but i mean i mean you look throughout the nfl the players that are three down players that are impactful right away are coveted in the nfl mm -hmm. so i don't know why everyone's kind of sticking their nose yeah. up at this i mean 
I, I really think Cleland is a gem for the Raiders. And I think he, more than anything, he's a perfect fit for this system with Paul Gunther yeah. and what they're going to ask him to do. He, uh, he excels with playing his hand in the dirt. So I'm looking forward to him, uh, you know, being the leader on this defense for years to come, man. And, you know, you talk about his, you know, press conference when he first got to Oakland, you know, their three first round draft picks, he was commanding the room. And that says a lot about his leadership. And you hate to look at a 15 minute interview and say, Oh, you know, but really, I mean, you could tell he was controlling the room and, uh, you know, his, his teammates to his side already highly respected him. So, uh, you know, and he's from a program, man, where where winning is that's what's up there. So I yeah. hope he carries that over to the silver and black. Yeah, first impression was definitely good, man. Uh, like you said, you don't want to go off fifteen minutes, but man, first fifteen minutes in the NFL, being a, being the top draft pick like that, sitting next to two other first round picks right there in the in the Raiders headquarters, man, that's uh good stuff for him to be able to step up and, and really just kind of stand out as that leader that he is automatically right. come out of his shell, just step right into those shoes. He's ready for it, man. He's geared up and uh, I'm ready to see what Cleveland's all about, man. He's, he's got a lot of people to prove wrong. He, he, you know, he, he's being nice. And he said that he was kind of surprised too, that he was picked already at number four, but I know he's hearing everybody. I know he's hearing the media. I know he's hearing fans. I know, you know, these players might not reply to everybody on Twitter, but they see what these fans say on Twitter, man. I think he's ready to prove all these people wrong, man. He's ready to show out there. Just like I said, you can be a leader all you want, but he knows he's going to go out there and he's going to produce. And, and I'm here yeah. for this, man. Dude, me too. And, you know, you talk about sacks. That's the number everyone, you know, puts their eyes to. And I think he's going to be able to get some sacks his rookie year. I'm not going to sit here and say a number, but is he going to have 15 sacks? Probably not. But I think he's going to have an effective number. But a number to pay attention to is TFLs, tackle yeah. for loss. The dude had 50 and a half at Clemson. Okay, so that's what I talk. We talk about being good with the run. Okay, sacks are great, but stopping the running back for a two-yard loss because you threw the OT and wiggled between the interior offensive linemen to get to the running back is also a really effective way to destroy a drive too. Mm-hmm. You know, so we need more of that as well. Yeah, but not just sacks, <laughs> man. Our defense was in a multitude of ways pretty bad. So absolutely, uh, bring it on, Cleveland. Bring it on, man. Yeah, let's do it. And then of course, man. I love Cleveland, but I kind of have this like weird turn of focus to Mad Max Crosby. I don't know what it is. I man. knew I you mean, were gonna go there. I, I don't too. know, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, it's weird. I mean, he's one of those. I, he's one of the two guys. Of course, we're just talking about defensive line, so I, I'm gonna keep it there. But Mad Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro have, have I think, easily kind of uh, shine now as two of the Raiders' favorite picks, outside of, of course, our first rounders. Um, and oh man, while everyone has their sights set on Arden Key this year, you know, hoping he makes that jump I, uh, I just talked about, man, I think Max Crosby has some serious competition for the starting job, man. And, and here's the thing, man, Arden, you know, he did get into the backfield a lot last year. Um, like I always say, man, he he led the league in almost sacks, or you know, should have been sacks. Uh, oh man, you know, you're telling me, dude. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was bad, dude. You know, it, but that was really only during like sure passing situations, you know, which really didn't, you know didn't happen that much. Uh, of course, you know, we put our defense in, in a lot of odd situations that hopefully we don't, you know, get there, you know, throughout a whole another season again. But um, when we were ahead late in the game, or on like a third and long situation. 
Arden Key was definitely the guy. But I think Max, man, he's going to come in, and, and he has a lot of strong side defensive inability. He played a lot of that in college. Uh, of course, it's not necessarily, you know, playing like for Clemson or for Alabama kind of college team. But, you know, he was there. He has that ability. He, he knows how to play off that side. He knows how to play against the run. He, he's very high energy. Everyone's kind of knocking him for his frame. I think he's packing on the pounds. I think he's a hard worker. And for the most part, man, I think Mad Max put him in the right situation, get under the right coaching. I mean, gosh dang, he's playing under Eastern Michigan, and he's an animal. Bring him into the Raiders organization, put him under an NFL team, you never know what this guy's going to do. Uh, so the most part, I mean, don't sleep too hard on these, these guys coming out of small schools. Uh, Max has a lot to prove, and I think he can prove it. Chris, what do you think about Mr. Mad Max? I think he's a specimen, man. I think he has some really good physical tools, like in terms of his speed and his ability to move his body and, you know, his bend, I think is, is special. I think, you know, you look at Arden Key, I mean, he has a really high ceiling, but so does Max. So, you know, in pass rush situations, you know, obvious pass situations, you, they, they definitely are going to have a battle on their hands on who's going to be lining up opposite Cleveland. And, you know, you, you look at Crosby and watching his film in the wide nine, man, I mean, the offensive tackle better get ready to move because Max sure is, you know? And, uh, and I really like how he uses, he seems to have these, like, I don't even know if they're extra long, but his arms just seem like alien long to me. And he just like whips guys. And, uh, you know, if he gets stronger and completes his game, I think coming into it, he might have already like some more impressive counter moves than Arden key. And I don't want to like down key. Cause I think if key, you know, for a rookie last year, in terms of pressures, he was one of the most effective players. Yeah. Did it ended up being sacks? No, but I think he has potential. But, you know, if he doesn't take a year one to year two jump, I think there is a reasonable argument to be made that, that Crosby has a chance to maybe, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, jump him on the depth chart. It's all out there, man. I mean, I don't yeah. think he did enough to be like, oh, he's our, you know, pass mm -hmm. specialist. You know, I just don't think he did enough. So. Uh, it's going to be a really fun training camp, man. I, I hope to get up there to Napa to see these guys fight it out, man. Yeah, I agree. So we took those two guys. We took Cleland. Uh, we went and we got Mad Max. Of course, that added to our depth that we added in free agency. And then we go in uh, the final round of the NFL draft, and we draft Quentin Bell, uh, defensive end out of Prairie View, A&M, 6'4", 254 pounds. And that's the player that Mike Mayock used to uh, stump the truck. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard uh, folks on the NFL Network or folks all over Twitter talking about it or using that phrase, stump the truck, a lot since the end of the draft. Um, for those that don't know what it means, uh, when he was picked at the end of the seventh round, they had no replays or, or no footage, for that matter, on this guy. They had nothing to show on him. Uh, it was almost like basically they're saying, we don't expect this guy to get drafted is kind of a thing. Um, but obviously Mayock had a little homework on him and it's absolutely crazy, man. Um, you know, and although it seems like he flew under the radar, um, he was one of the 30 invites actually allocated to the Raiders. He's probably, I mean, I'd say maybe the worst football player at the time drafted, but man, his measurables and this guy's size are completely off the charts. The dude runs a freaking four, three, eight, 40 yard dash, Chris, a four, three, eight, and he's yeah. six foot four, yeah. 254 pounds. Like, holy freaking smokes, man. <clears throat> Paul Gunther. I mean, he's already said he's, still, he's even got to teach this kid just how to get into his stance, but, uh, he's a, he's a project guy. Uh, but Quentin Bell, he's definitely someone to watch as an athlete. Gosh, freaking line this guy up at freaking tight end at that point, man. He's he's an athlete, man. I love it. So, uh, Chris, what do you think about Quentin Bell? 
Yeah, you know, when we all, I'm sure a lot of you guys uh, and girls, you know, uh, have uh, know what I'm talking about here. But, you know, the, the, the moms that would film the Pop Warner games when you're a kid. That's kind of what the film is like on Glenn Bell when you try to look for it, dude. Like it's like a home video from like a distant bleachers, you know. You see her a couple close claps, like it's kind of funny, man. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just off of his physical traits alone, he's worth the project pick. I mean, you know, on the in the old regime, I mean, Raleigh McKenzie probably would have you know fallen asleep and then woke up and saw the physical scores called Reggie, and he would have drafted him in the third round. <laughs> but uh, I think the seventh round was a perfect fit for the project that he he may he may be, but just off his athleticism alone, I think, and, and that automatically makes him have a, a really high ceiling. And coaches love players to mold, right? So they kind of get to start from scratch with him, and uh, you you really have no idea how quickly, uh, you know, it'll, it'll form into, you know, being an impactful player, but it'll be an interesting watch to see, you know, how quickly he can develop all those, you know, talented physical tools he mm-hmm. has into being an effect, an effective, uh, defensive end in the NFL. And then after the draft was over, uh, we had one undrafted free agent that came in as a tryout and ended up making the team for us. It's last chance you star. Ronald Ollie. Uh, now, me personally, I haven't dug in too much on this guy. I don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, I just know that he's a little bit of a TV personality. I think he's going to add on to our chances there for hard knocks. Uh, but Chris, you know, you know a little bit more about Ollie here. Uh, tell us about our last addition here to this roster. Well, if anyone watched Last Chance, you, uh, you know, when he was on, he was my favorite dude to watch. I thought he was hilarious. Uh, you know, but he definitely had a very difficult childhood and if anyone wants to really you know uh, i don't want to quickly summarize it and you know say it wrong so if anyone wants to check out his wikipedia uh it'll go into all that um but he definitely had a rough childhood so he was already you know in a difficult situation as it was but he used football to help give him himself a chance to get out of that situation man and uh you know you, you look at him at last chance you he was a guy you know obviously it's a school that brings in a bunch of dudes who made a mistake or, uh, you know, we're at a big school and got kicked out or had troubles. And, you know, Ollie was a guy that, uh, you know, he's definitely suffered from, I would say laziness. And, uh, you know, he, he was definitely not focused a lot of time and him and this, this, uh, kind of aid lady, man, they had some of the most hilarious conversations. She's trying to get him to go to class and all that, but nonetheless, he finally got all of it together, went to Nichols state and was able to be everything that everyone wanted him to be, which was to be committed to football, uh, all in, and uh, to allow his you know ability to blossom. Because you would see in the the show Last Chance You, when when he was focused, he was the best player on the field defensively, in my opinion. I mean, he was an impactful guy, and I know it's just a show and everything, but they showed a good amount of snaps yeah. in that show and a good amount of in practice snaps too, and. Uh, you know, he seemed impressive. It was just always like, is he ever going to get it mentally together? But he sure seems like he did. He got the tryout with the Raiders. And, dude, there was a lot of tryout players there. Yeah. And for him to be the dude that was signed, you know, he must have impressed. You know that Mayock and Gruden and Gunther must have liked him. Uh, is he, a, a you know, for sure shoo-in to make the team? Mm. Not even close. But this is a huge step for him. A yeah. huge step. And he actually had another rookie tryout uh scheduled for the next weekend after the Raiders with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the Raiders said, nah, nah, let's sign this deal right now. Let's keep this guy here. So big opportunity for the guy, uh, the uh, 6'2", 292 DT out of Nichols State. 
Yeah, I don't think HBO was letting him leave uh, the Raiders facility. That TV personality is all coming back. <laughs> we gotta get him I locked think in, he's kind of done with that, though, so I don't know yeah. if he'd be thrilled on that, but he hey, man, I don't football think anyone now. would in Alameda, you know? Yeah, exactly. He he definitely, I think, just wants to play football. And you know, overall, man, looking at how this this uh, defensive line was overhauled, I don't think it's necessarily what we're really hoping for. I think we're hoping for a little bit more veteran presence or established veteran veteran presence to come in there and be, and be starters. Um, but we we kind of we roll the dice on this group. That's kind of why I was looking forward to covering them a little bit because uh, I kind of wanted to see it as a whole. But I'm really hoping that this whole thing meshes. You know, we talk about Cleveland coming in here and being a, in a leader. We talk about the the competition going in on the other side with Arden and Mad Max and we see a lot of depth you know with Benson Mayoa uh, you see a lot of guys sliding in there uh, behind him Josh Morrow you see some depth going in there uh, it's definitely something to watch through camp but I think the what to learn here now as Raiders fans is we're not here trying to uh, find another Khalil Mack we're not just looking for that player I think overall we're just looking to have a team defensive line that's going to work together and as a whole group get to that quarterback man it's all about uh doing your job playing your scheme right doing what fits you best finding what works and uh whoever's lining up whether it's uh four or five guys trying to get after the passer um hopefully this is the right group to make it happen and uh really work together and and just uh man turn the page man let's get this thing going let's get uh at least double the pressures man get us close get us up there man i'm 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 itching to see, man. This is uh this is this is a big deal for us if we really we if we really plan on making a playoff run, Chris. This defensive line group needs to really step up this year, man. Yeah, man. I need we need 35 sacks this year. You know. Oh yeah. And, and that's the number I'm kind of thinking of. Uh, you know, at the very least, I obviously they could get a lot more than that, but 13 last year. So I'm saying 35 is the number I'm looking for this year. More than anything, like you talked about, they need to be a cohesive unit and. I think it will help a lot of the players they depended on last year that were rookies like Hall and Hurst. I think there's a, you know, legitimate reason to think that they, they're going to take a big year one to year two step. And that's going to be really key for this defense as well. Um, And that's just the defensive line. I mean, obviously outside we got Gary on Conley who really was a true kind of a rookie last year who, who might take another jump and he was impressive. Uh, I think like our linebacking corpse is upgraded. So as a as a as a unit, man, uh, Gunther's got to get these guys middle of the pack this year, and I think if we do that with our explosive offense, we should have. I think we'll have a chance to be competitive. I really do. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, man. And uh, to wrap the show up, this is pretty much the end of it. I know. I'm sorry for all of you guys that were looking forward to real talk at the end of the show. Kenny King was out of town, so we're skipping it this week. Uh, but that's unfortunate because we had a couple, uh, you know, dramatic things happen this week. Of course, we had Mike Clay come out. Uh, with some like 2019 season predictions, and you try to like low key throw it oh under there, gosh. like, like oh this isn't like team predictions, this is just like game to game, and he gave us like or like one in like 14 and one 14 the and score one thing, yeah, the, score the thing? oh is that my what it goodness, was? yes, I'm like yeah, we're gonna tie uh, 22 to 22 against Denver <laughs> week one, and then we're only gonna beat uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> I can't even remember the we're only gonna win one, one game, game. yeah, it's ridiculous, oh my man, gosh, dude. oh Why, man, what is even the point? of that that's the point where you're 
that you know as gruden would say data data i don't know how you say it that uh-huh. stuff like that just needs to be like it's crazy dude. dude you don't even need to post that that's ridiculous i think he's just trolling us at that point dude i can't i don't see any other i don't see any other reason behind it. i'd like to i'd like to evaluate all 31 other teams uh records by the end of the season after looking at his uh <laughs> score predictions there's no we were freaking one in 114 and one dude give me a freaking break but dude uh, you're so right man you're so right you don't like the the like espn previews of games every week and they have a score prediction does anyone actually pay attention to that i don't think like I honestly hope not. dude like oh it says we're gonna lose 23 to 22 like dude, is that really oh, gonna, just like, don't even watch that, the game anymore I mean, you already that's a waste of space man oh five analysts said we're gonna lose this week might as well not even watch the game now <laughs> But besides that, man, Kenny, I think is going to be going hard here on on all. On uh, we got a old Dano, old Danny boy, new uh, newfound Raider fan here, I guess you could say, or or uh, a fan of Raider Nation to to kind of bag on, I guess this week. So we're going to save the details of that one. Also, uh, we're going to go into that one next week with Kenny King whenever we bring him back in here. Um, but Chris. I'd say this was definitely a good episode. I would say also to Raider Nation, another message to you. We really need to get these phone calls rolling in, man. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, nobody wants to call. We get we get a lot of things rolling in. And we get no talking about some stuff, and no one's no calling. One's What's up with the that? line, man? No you one's hitting here, the line, dude. Sit here and listen to us. Sit here and listen to us talk. We want to hear you talk a little bit, man. Give us a give us a phone call. I don't care if you call once a week, man. Uh, come in with a question. Come in with a topic. If we're not talking about what you want to talk about, bring it to us, man. Let us let us talk about it a little bit. Uh, we'll definitely chop it up. Um, but besides that, yeah, make sure you call in, 808-650-7220. The phone number is always on our website. You go to RaiderCody.com. It's right there underneath the logo. You call the podcast. You can listen to all of our shows right there on it. Uh, follow. Make sure you get on all of our favorite platforms. Uh, make sure you stay, you stay tuned into the show. Um, and I'll go ahead and give you callers a topic right now. What I'm going to do right here at the end of the show, um, instead of just wrapping up with our awesome theme music that everybody's always trying to message me and, and find out for everyone listening to it, um, you actually can't find it anymore. I ripped it off a website and uh, turns out, I guess they took it down and it's long gone. So it's just in our possession now and uh, <laughs> it's all ours. So <laughs> anyone looking for it? Um, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. It's gone. It's a, it's, it's a goner. So if you want to hear it, <laughs> make sure you always tune into our podcast, man. That's where it's at. So or you uh, can always offer $1 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. That we can, we can, <laughs> I'll definitely, I'll definitely take some, some offers like that in, in the DMS. I'll definitely shoot a copy over. But uh, besides that, like I said, I'm, I'm going to give you call a topic here to talk about i'm going to go ahead and just take this recording of a colleggio simile interview and i'm we're not going to give our opinion on it yet uh we me and chris have both heard it um i'm sure you guys have heard at least most of it but i'm going to go ahead and take the meat of it where he talked about the raiders and we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap out the show of that replaying and if you guys want to call in an opinion on that we're going to go ahead and cover that next week with you so besides that chris it was a good episode Good stuff. Fans, make sure you get tuned in a little bit more. We're still selling stickers. We're selling t-shirts. Gearing up for the season. We got more fans coming in. We got actually fantasy football uh, gearing up here pretty soon also. We have a lot of good guests lined up. Um, But another week came and gone. Chris, until next week, man. I'll see you later. Later, Nation.
were you when you found out you were being traded? Uh, so this is going to sound super corny, but, well, my mom would love it. I literally was coming out of church. <laughs> your mom loves that story. So you're coming uh, out of church in where? The lamest story ever. Um, this is church, uh, Howard Thurman, Church of All Souls. Um, I randomly started reading about him after MLK, and I was, like, curious, like, because there was, like, a lot of stuff going on in San Francisco. That was dope. They do, like, a lot of, like, really cool cultural stuff. Yeah. And so I'm, like, reading about Howard Thurman. I'm, like, yo, like, he kind of, like, philosophy-wise, like, we think about the same, think the that's same awesome. things. So I'm, like, whoa, he founded the church out here. Like, what? That's lit. I got to go to it. How's nobody talking? I, like, the, you know how they review stuff on Google? Yes. And nobody was even going. So I went and checked them out, like, hella times. I was, like, fam. Every single time I went. It was like the, the most dope service, great. and it was actually like relevant to the times. And they're That's actually awesome. doing things in the community culturally. Like they literally had like a sermon politicians straight, and stuff man. like that. It was crazy. Like they were actually doing things, and it was just like, whoa! Like this church is awesome. So yeah, I was, it was like a Sunday, and I, you know, was going to that church in Mayock. Like they called me and was like, yo, like sorry we never met. And I'm like, actually we have. I was in there like working out, and then we had a long conversation about how I met your son's friend, but whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so embarrassed. Wait, but yeah, who anyways, is this? you're going to New York, Mike Mayock. Wait, so Mike Mayock said, I've never met you before? He completely forgot meeting me in the conversation that we had about meeting his son, but it's all good. It's That's cool. like, I, I guess was. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very. I was. Very my first job was supposed to be in I'm Reno. nobody. My first job was supposed to be in Reno, Nevada, and the news director got fired, and the guy that was filling in said, Listen, Alex. And I was like, Motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, I'm not getting this job. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. So, did you have to leave church, or were you already walking outside? I was walking outside. The funny thing is, I was walking in when he called, and I actually knew. I had a feeling, so I knew right when I went in. But I was like, "Dude, this is not gonna mess my vibe up. I'm going to church. Like, whatever. Like, wow. I'll deal with you it felt after." That. Yeah, I felt it. I knew. And I was like, "I'll call you back after I get out." Oh, you said that to him. Yeah, I told him. Gotcha. Yeah. And when your so, phone, your phone wasn't buzzing. You weren't no, getting I, I like, had alerts. It off. Yeah, no, I had it. I turned it off. So, so you turn it on, and he turn calls it back on. And he, he calls, calls me. And, and Mayock goes, "Hey, sorry, we never met." And you're like, "Actually, we have." Yeah, exactly. And then he was like, "Yeah, like I'm sorry to say, we've traded you to the Jets. Whatever, blah 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 blah. Like good luck, like whatever, blah blah blah." blah. And he's like, "Mike McCagney's gonna call you." So Mike McCadden calls me, and he's like, yeah, man, like, I was, you know, over in uh, uh, in charge of scouting with the Houston Texans, and I've been looking at you since Iowa State, and I remember having a meet, like, a, we went, like, really? I went to the Texans, and I was, he's like, man, I've been watching, like, we've been trying to get you on the team, yeah. we were one of the first teams that wanted you when you were going to Oakland, you went to Oakland, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, the Texans were, like, one of the people that coming sure. out in free agency were like, I was like, yeah, like, yeah. And then he was, yeah, it was just like a really good conversation. And I was like, yeah, God's plan. I actually started playing God's plan. I was like, yeah. Did you really on Drake? Hell yeah. There, there probably was like two things. There's one that's like, it's like the highs and lows. The low is the team that I was just on traded That you me. bled for, that you had so much pain for, that like you vibed so much with your teammates with, mm. like have so many memories with like it was crazy i remember hitting up gabe gabe was the first person i told him i was like yeah dog like they traded me he thought i was playing he's like stop lying i'm like yeah dog and he was like i'm probably next you never know what they've been doing around here like because it was just like that bro like the day before you got traded they got antonio brown in a trade so you probably had a day day of being like funny yeah the funny thing was uh, the night before we were celebrating my boy neil his one of his uh friends like started the company like a startup or whatever 
and we're celebrating her. And then the news came at dinner that we got AB. So we're all at the table, You're like, lit. yo, we about to be cold, like, yeah. dang. And then, like, yeah. The next morning it was the next day. Yeah. It was the next day. Yeah, I think it was, the, yeah, it was the next day. Yeah, so that flipped morning. real quick. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You have all these up and downs where you have the up ABs on your team, down the team that I bled for. And then up again because Le'Veon again, Bell. Like, well, I would say up again, too, because you find out you're going to New York. Yeah, that, too. Like, what was And your... also the fact that Mike, like, McCagnan was, like, trying to, like, get me over there. So I'm like, oh, so they really, like, fuck with me. Yes. And I kind of felt like they didn't really fuck with us. Like, with the whole Gruden, like, organization they came in, we had, like, you know, like, we were vibing, bro. We had a team. We had a unit. You know what I mean? Like, similar locker room to Baltimore. Yeah. And it just, like, almost felt like, oh, we're rebuilding right away. Like, yo. Like, you could feel that change immediately. Right away. As soon as they How came in, you... I remember Cable sitting me down and being like, yeah, man, we going to take this guard. If uh, the Colt, Indiana doesn't take him out of out of uh, Quentin Nelson, we're going to take him. How do you feel about moving the tackle? Like, as soon as I meet, like, first, like, one of the first conversations I have with the dude, so I'm like, okay, so you're already trying to move me. So, all right, cool. And I was an all pro. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, didn't, like, I kind of see where this is going. If we can't get him, then we'll, we're going to get Colton Miller, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be upfront and honest with you, which I respect him for that. But it was just kind of like, yo, like, the, our old line is cold, though. Like, what? Like, yeah. just the disrespect in general, just to be like, mm. That's the thing that's crazy to me is if you want to say we're reevaluating the wide receiver position, if you want to say we're going to look at running backs, but when your offensive line, like, three of them all went to the Pro Bowl, the other two were, like, really, really solid, and, like, there's been no issues at all, and to just go, we're gonna change that foundation. That was not the position. And group especially because we were like the hardest working group. We we're like the literally the heart and soul, and it was just like, so there's no nothing that we can do to convince you, bro. Like mm. it's deflating. Do you think they just like? Why do you think they came in with that mindset? So from what I've heard from other people, it's kind of one of those like ego things. I guess somebody was saying like, oh, like we're gonna win a Super Bowl, but it was with other people's players. So maybe he just wanted to do it with his own guys this time. Mm. I don't know, like. I really don't know. Like, you never really you know what's going on. you good talks with him? We had a lot of talks in his office, and they were not, like, what he said obviously did not come to fruition. So for take that for whatever it's worth. Ooh, what so. was the best thing you were told that didn't come to fruition? Yeah, man, the next five years, man, like, you're going to be a leader on this team. We really respect how hard you work and your work ethic and all this and that, like, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, all right, well, we'll see. Man. Oh, look, That's the I, business, though, look, man. man you know? my, my old partner, Sims, used to tell me all the time that that cost Gruden a lot when he was with the Bucks, because he was a quarterback of the Bucks. He would tell you things, and then later it wouldn't be the truth. Mm-hmm. And, like, I appreciate Cable telling you the truth. See, like, I, I respect that. He yeah. kept it real. He did. He kept it real. It's like, it's like, hey, man, we're trying to make these moves. Like, we want to do what we want to, like, you know? And, it, and it's like, you know what's up. You know what I mean? Like, you always, at least you know what's up. You might yes. not like it, but you know what's up. Damn. And, but, so that sounds like a whole other lesson learned for you, this whole process. I mean, man, like, I I played, uh, like, I went through the coach change with Gene Chizik and then Paul Rhodes coming in yeah. and then me coming out and him being like, oh, like, telling scouts, oh, he has character issues, like, all this other. I've been through so much, like, stupid political, like, stuff that at this point it's just, like, I almost expect it out of coaches, especially because I'm the type of player that I, like, talk to the free agents and stuff like that. So I hear things. So I know. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? We talk about – so many people love to talk about how, like, athletes can be childish. And I think coaches are worse. What? They don't get drug tested. 
They nothing like nobody questions what they're doing. Like they say a player's a certain way and we take it. We never wonder if a coach is a certain way. It's crazy, dog. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm not even gonna say like we're not even gonna speak on character yeah, when it comes to coaches, dog. Like I'm not even gonna go there. You've done enough. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so your reaction when AB got there, you were excited, obviously. Right. Uh, then Mayock tells you, Gruden never said anything to you? Yeah, actually, I went by. Like, they didn't oh, you did. tell me to, but I went by. Like, yeah. I wanted to talk to him. And say your I don't piece. know. And no, not even. Like, I just wanted to leave it professional. Like, yeah. I didn't even say that I was upset or anything no. like that. I was like, You're like hey, nice playing for you. Know, see you down the line. Like, you know, nice playing, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just wanted to say goodbye, you know what I mean? Like, maybe we'll be working together in the future because you never know. know in the NFL. So Did it go over well? It was kind of, like, I think it did. I think it did. I don't know. He was very surprised that I did. I don't know. Like, I think it went over really well, but it was just kind of like, I don't know. They were surprised for sure that I, that I came by to talk to him. I love that you did know. that. It's like it's sort of like now just face me to my face. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not gonna bring any negative energy. I'm not gonna be angry. I just want to see your eyes. And the funniest thing is like going in there and like the security dude meeting you in the front, like, what's up, man? Like how you doing? Like blah 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 blah. Like what y'all think I'm gonna blow this motherfucker? Like I still got my shit. I'm not here. gonna do what everyone thinks of, I'm gonna do. Can I get what? some stuff out of my locker, my dog? And also say goodbye. And freak out. <laughs> um, were you offended that they only got back a fifth round pick? I didn't even check up on that after at Sorry. that point. As soon as I heard that I got traded, I, I was, was offended like, for you. <laughs> I was offended for you. As soon as I, as soon as I like got the got the trade or whatever information, like it was just bro. Kind of as like, long as the check us. clears. Yeah, actually, there was a Janet. I used to leave at like ten, eleven some nights, like on a Friday night, just like whatever bored. I'm gonna work out because I'm weird like that. I like to work out. I like to lift weights. And there was a janitor that actually said that because I asked him how he was doing. Like, yeah, you good, bro? Like, how you doing? Because he looked tired. He said, hey, man, as long as you know what they say, as long as that check clears. And I was like, you know what, dog? You right, dog. Yeah. You know I'm saying? You real for that way. You know no, for real. Khalil traded. Amari traded. I mean, and then you, like, I have to imagine the guys back there right now are kind of like, who's next? It has to be. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what, what Gabe said. Even Rodney joked about that. Like, yeah, man. I mean, like. We have like these professionals that we work with or whatever, like shrinks and even a shrink team shrink. Like, hey man, like it's a lot of people talking to us right now. They're very concerned about. I'm like, damn. Shrinks are talking to other shrinks. They might replace me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's crazy over there right now. It's crazier, crazier to be on the team for Khalil being traded or Amari. Amari was for well, Khalil was just like what, but then like and then it's a shock, but it's so early still. But yeah. then, like, the Amari was just like, yo, they literally do not care. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just like. Yeah, because Khalil was before the season, and they yeah. got back multiple first-round picks, and he was mm. already holding out. So really, the first one you're forgetting is Marquette King. Like, just cut in him. my opinion, like, best punter like, in, in the game, in my opinion. Like, What's interesting is he leaves Oakland, and right now he's actually meeting with the Texans. That's exactly what Shane Leckler did. Former Raider goes to Houston, and many people believe Shane Leckler is the best punter of all time. Interesting thing with special teamers is their salaries get higher as they get older, and teams are like, you know, we could really save $400,000 on the punter this year by yeah. getting this kid out of North Dakota State. You know what I mean? But so Khalil, there was a track record. Amari, was that what week was that? That was in the middle. Like, I felt like that was pretty deep in the season, like in the middle of the season. I don't remember what week, but it was in the season to the point where it was just like, wow. And you're where with like, that? You news? Even you're not working out of church it. for that, are you? No, we're on the field at practice. We're, we're literally, 
we were literally already had been through most of pra- like grinding. Wow. You know what I mean? And then like they get their little I don't even know dude's names, like some I don't know, some guy, whatever, grabs them. Yeah. And we're sitting there like, nah. Like it was like so unbelievable. It would have been like if an alien landed on the field and was like, Hey, what's up, fool? Like, I'm from Checklist or whatever. Yeah. You're like, yo, that's an alien. It was like that. Like people were just shocked. Like, what the hell is going on right now? How did it spread? Did they call around the team and say this just happened? They didn't say anything. Like literally you just like turned around and saw it. You Wait. just turned around and saw it. You're just like, what? Oh, so you just see him come off the field, but you don't know why he's coming off the field. No, you know because this guy is the guy that always cuts people. Or like, It's always oh, ter- bad when you see this guy. You know it's not good. And you're like, so, so you guys are like, they didn't cut him. Like, what, what the hell? You just know because he's a baller. You know they didn't just cut him. Like, he's a baller. You know that. He's wow. going to ball. Like, so was the team just deflated after that? That for sure was like the dagger. Like, a few times it was like some situations where it was just like, you know, you're on the field and certain things are getting called or whatever, and you have no control of that, yeah. and you're just like, do they care or whatever? And it's like we're working so hard and, you know, and the pain and all that, people playing through injuries, and you're like, what are we doing? Right. But then that was probably like the dagger where it was just like. Wow. So the whole team after that moment, you could feel it weeks You could come. feel it. Like people yeah. were like talking about it in the locker room. Like, yo, like I guess they're like really like rebuilding. Like you just like knew at yeah. that point. You know I, had I, mean? a, I had a story. I did a, a story with Malcolm Jenkins, and I'm on his roof. And we're getting ready. We had just shot all day about like bow ties and how he's like prepared for a zombie apocalypse and all that. <laughs> and it's like a fun time. And I get a buzz on my phone, and the Eagles had just traded Sam Bradford. And that meant they were going to start Carson Wentz that year. And his face was filled with so much disappointment. Because in his mind, he didn't come there to play for a rookie quarterback. He didn't come there to do the rebuilding. Mm. Because when you're an athlete, your window is not that long. Exactly. And it's so way it, different for coaches with the long tenures and the guaranteed contracts that they have. Like, so when you're a team and you go, we're rebuilding. Anyone on that team over the age of 27 yeah. is like, bro, not now. <laughs> Dudes are asking for trades. Like, some guys, wow. like, I'm just not that type of person. Like, once I sign on to do something, I finish that. But, like, Bruce for sure was a guy that was just like, Yo, Get me out of like, here. Deuces. I want to go to I'm not doing or that. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, his wife's there or whatever. So, he's just yeah. like, hey, like, you know. Like, he's from there, too. Like, mm. What was it like to have Marshawn Lynch on your team? That was dope. <laughs> he kept it too real. Like, we had the realest conversations on the plane to the point where, like, coaches would come get their rookies so that they would not have to hear what he was saying just so they can keep them. What the kind of shit is he them. spitting on the team plane? Like, just straight up stuff, bro. I can't even, I don't even want to repeat it. I'm scared to repeat it. I'm not even going to say it. Was it about football or was it about It was life? about football, but it was also about life, too. Yeah. And, like, Oh, no, and what's going on with football? I'm not even gonna get into he it. He sees dog. through the games, you know what I mean. Yeah, and dog. and he's the kind and of guy. And he saw it early too. Like that's and he, incredible. Yeah, that's what's so funny is on a team that had that much turmoil and change to have the ultimate truth teller in the locker room. I just feel like at all times he would have been like, "Hemi, what the fuck are we like?" No meetings. Like I just feel like he would do that all the time. Occasionally, occasionally, yeah. occasionally he would. Yeah, I don't like, want. He wasn't. You, too, I don't want you. He wasn't too. He wasn't very like. He wasn't disruptive or anything like that. But like, privately is like where he was like basically like, hey, look, you know, this is the deal. Here's the whatever. facts. Yeah. If somebody were to call you, whether it's uh, Cleland Farrell, their fourth round, their fourth pick in the draft, or another guy, and, and they said, "What's Gruden like?" What would mm. you tell him? Um. You know what? He's a passionate guy. 
He's a passionate guy. Um, he loves the game. He's going to get up at 4 in the morning, you know what I mean, and, and start coaching. Um, you know what? But like, it's I, don't, I really don't I really don't know. Like I felt like I knew. Mm. I don't know. I really don't I really don't know. So you'd say I was with him for a year and I still don't know what he's like. I don't know. I don't really know. I know parts of what he's like, but I can't say that I really know what he's like. Mm. Can I ask you an awkward question? Because it's been one of the things I've been most fascinated by. Monday Night Football, Raiders, Washington, mm -hmm. all the stories that came out. Is there mm -hmm. any truth to that shit at this all? This is 100% false. 100% false? Yeah. The so if you really want to know what happened, obviously we had heard what Trump said. Right. And clearly there's a lot of guys just like right here that felt a certain type of way. How could you not? And so we're like, man, like we got to do like some type of display something. It wasn't even that big of a deal. Like it was literally like, hey, like, you know, we're going to sit or whatever. We're not going to even make a huge deal out of it. And, like, all right, cool. And then it was just, like, this is when he came out and said coaches that. and, like, a bunch of people were, like, oh, like, basically don't do that. Like, just stay in the locker room or, like, whatever it was. Right. And it wasn't even to the point where people were, like, distracted. It was literally, like, hey, we're just going to do this one thing. And then it was just, like, a weird thing where, like, there were certain players that were, like, no, like, we shouldn't do that, whatever, blah, blah, wow. blah, blah. But it's just, like, man, like, that's, like, three of y'all saying that we shouldn't do that. And a lot of us feel a certain type of way. So it was kind of messed up that right. three people would be, like, no, nah, like, basically make us feel like we're in the wrong for, like. And to have this kind of discussion day, right too. before a game. Yeah, but it was, like, the night before, though. Like, it was, like, the day before or whatever. Yeah. Like, by the time game day came around, like, most of us were just, like, hey, like, this is how we feel. This is what we are going to do. Yeah. Y'all, like, do what y'all have to do. But we feel this way about this right now. You're the only all-black offensive line in the entire NFL. The how entire could you, NFL. How could you not? How could it not? Like, like you're, you're I don't understand how you can not understand that. This was when he came out and said the NFL players are – he didn't say pieces of shit. What did he say? Yeah, yeah. He said, like, sons of – Sons of bitches. Yeah. Sons of bitches. Yeah. Yeah. Because the rumors were about Derek, and I just wasn't sure. That's super false. That's and what Derek I would like. That's what I'd love for you to cool. clear up. Like, we all mess with him. Yeah. Like, he's funny. He's not one of those quarterbacks that's, like, super, super serious all the time. You can't relate started? to him. I don't know, man. It's like one of those little media things, like a yeah. little troll out there said some crazy stuff for a little like Derek got wanna be media wanna yeah. be media person was like, Oh, this is why that happened and then like, you know, yeah, like MAGA country or whatever, yeah. like go crazy. They latched on to that and were like, Ah, oh, is this what's going on in the team? Like y'all couldn't be like way off. Like y'all away for it. It is interesting how they've dealt with Derek. Cause it it's I, I hear people all the time, like, I can't tell if they like him or if they don't. And that's like players. You and should coaches. like them. Players yeah. like them. I have not met a player that has that doesn't like Derek. That's awesome. I feel like that's one hundred percent false that people don't like Derek as far as players are concerned. The people that actually know him, you have to like him. He's too good of a guy not to like. Yeah. Like there's never Maybe any fucks with him. Everybody like. Yeah. You just have to like. Have you met him? Like if you I meet him, you're gonna love him. Good energy. Like his tone. dad. Like his whole family. Yeah. They're just a great family. He's just a great guy. Interesting. Fucking rumors, man. I never know who starts It's crazy because it's like you're know. not allowed to address it. Like you're taught not to like, oh, you don't make any comments about this. We're focused on the season. Especially offensive And alignment. you just want to just squash it, but they're like, don't talk to any media about that. Man. Are you happy to be gone? Like at this point? Like, it's at, not like Not happy. a disrespect to the, to the fans. Yeah, but I'm just glad that I, I'm not dealing with all that anymore. I just want to play football, bro. Like, yeah. Period. And like, you're getting that, 
like you like the same thing when you're raw raw whatever and how that can take away from the energy i'm just trying to play ball like mm. period you know what i mean so and you've now is this like the best health wise you've been in a long time like getting in shape like doing keto and intermittent fasting and all that stuff yeah you can feel it yeah well how different does your body feel right now well i took a lot of weight off my joints so i mean obviously my knees and my back feel better what and, weight are we uh, at i'm 310 right now and you were what the last few years uh 325 wow. 330. and we don't think that's gonna mess up your power at all uh, i'm the strongest i've ever been man really? shout out to justice you know what I mean? Our strength coach. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, we got a real one, bro. Like, we got we have a real strength coach. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say anything about the last one we had in Oakland. But this dude <laughs> is raw. Like, this guy's raw. You're just feeling like, is it different exercises, too? Hell yeah, it's way different. I don't know what the hell we were doing in Oakland last year. Well, dogs. I saw your off-season so weight stupid. room in the where the training camp is. It's like a high school in Oakland. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this looks like, the yard. Like, I don't know what's going on. It, it has nothing to do with that because we worked out there when we were with Joe Gomes, in my opinion, like the coldest of all time dude is like, working for NASA now he's that smart state department oh he training, was the like, trainer killers. guy back like, then yeah like he was he's the truth wow this dude's the truth so which and then obviously that translates like to how we won 12 games and all that type of stuff like and then like the guy that we just had he's since been fired like I mean no disrespect like you know what hey that was his Gruden's guy whatever yeah, bro, yeah, yeah. you know but like I'm just happy that we got a good strength guy now. Like, to me, that's so important. Like, there are certain players that don't like it. Like, oh, like, I can understand you're a skilled player. You don't want to get, like, too big. Yeah. You just don't want to run fast. But, like, for, like, that position up front, if you're not training the right way, if you're not also mm. training smart, too, because there's a lot of banging up front. Sure. You're just not going to, one, make it through the season, and two, like, you're going to burn out fast. There's going to be way more injuries. And mm. you can just see just from the amount of injuries that we had from the one strength guy to the next, how important that is to oh actually God. have a guy that's coached and has been coaching and has been learning and has been progressing with yeah. training in the NF. It's a high, like, high – it's a competitive job. Like, you have to be front, Trainers, front, front of like the line. Like 60% of their job is learning new techniques. 60% of their job is going out and getting certified and mm -hmm. learning the correct – We had guys that weren't even certified in the weight room. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, we had, we had a, a physical – You're playing on a baseball field trainer. and you have we, trainers We, we had a personal certified. trainer. We had literally a per, one of like the guys that were training us was a personal trainer. That was his qualification. He had – we literally had How athletic trainers with anything? more qualification. You really can, dog, because then you're the bad guy. Like, you can't. You can't. No, I would certain, be in there. We, make, we, make we tell certain guys. guys, we tell certain guys, like Lee Smith was one of our guys. He was on the leadership council. Yeah. So we'll go to the leadership council and be like, bruh. And then he'll go back and talk to the coach Gruden. And then Gruden come back, we'll give him a little bit more time. And then it gets kind of pushed back. And by the time they actually do something, it's like. It's too late. Yeah. And then also, dude's on a guaranteed contract, too. So uh, you think he cares, wow. really? Like, he even said that. He was like, I'm going to guarantee a contract anyway, even if they do get rid of me. Like, dude said that. I was literally in his office because he came to me and was like, what's going on? Why are the guys upset? And I told him why they're upset. you're like, really? And I'm just like, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter for you guys. And that's the thing, bro. It's such a it's a business, man. Like, they don't Damn. care the way that we care. Players just, like, they don't care the way that we care. I hope that this staff, this gay staff cares. And I hope that it, you're like, damn, I feel like I'm first year Baltimore all over again. You know bro. what I mean? Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's what it's feeling like right now. It is. Now. Yeah. And this, that's exciting. Jets fans are going to love to hear this, that. This, man, I'm telling you, bro, like, this strength coach, bro. Like, What's man, his name? Justice Gallic. Justice Gallic? Gallic. G-A-L-A-C. All right, so if you want to be jacked, Justice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, 307, nice. you were saying, um, 
the, to go up against now Leonard Williams every day in practice and Quinnen Williams now like this incoming young guy. Mm. Do you think you could actually help teach Quinnen too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because we've heard about like offensive linemen teaching offensive linemen. But what, what about you helping? It that? almost is more that way. Like, um, I just yeah, that's just that's just yeah, that's that's how it works. Like, especially if it's a smart guy that's really trying to absorb everything and really, really trying to learn, like, that's just how it works. He'll come up to you and ask you why he can't beat you. Obviously, because in college, he can beat everybody. Yeah. And so, like, if it's a smart guy that's not, like, overprideful, which he seems like he seems like a really humble, like, really good kid. Alabama, man. He's going to be asking questions. So, and you love to see that. Like I've heard so many times that when the first-round pick walks in, the mm. team has to be impressed. Like, it's, it's important for the team to go, we got ourselves a good one. Have you seen Quinn work yet? No, I have okay. he I think they show up this weekend. But what is that? I don't know. I don't know if I would say that honestly. You that wasn't my experience so. in Baltimore at least. Like I don't know. It's kinda like Well you and Courtney you, it's weird. show it's, up it's together. It's weird. Yeah. And I'm sure they were I'm sure the defense went, Damn, that Kalechi's a big motherfucker. And they were like, Oh, Upshaw, that's a big like I'm sure it kinda amped them up a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. But like they don't really start saying anything until the pads come on, you know? Like one, they it's it's that's that sport. It's like one of the last, you know. Well, sports in general, it's like one of the last meritocracies. It like doesn't matter how hyped up you are or what you say. It's like once guys actually see it and they experience it and they feel it, then it's like all right, right, yeah. Because you just sliding around with no pads on and not knowing how physical you are. Yeah. But if you get into like a fight early on or you toss somebody and then everyone's like, damn, we got ourselves a real exactly. One. We got a dog. What was your welcome? Like, did you have a play where the other team, like the defense, kind of acknowledged? Um, it wasn't like a specific plays. It was just like a series of plays during training camp my rookie year where guys would come up to my locker laughing like, hey, man, you got to chill, 72. You got to chill, dog. Yeah. Like, dang. Hey, we going to red dot you. We going to red dot you. I'm like, what's what red dot mean? Yeah. Like, hey, man, they, the red dot means like the whole defense watching you. Next time you dump somebody, they're going to jump you. They kind of say that to like scare Damn, you. Like, they don't awesome. actually do it. But, well, to certain guys, if they can do that to certain guys. But, like, <laughs> yeah. But, like, they'll, like, yeah. Like, they'll come up and they'll be like, no, I'm playing, man. Hey, you're going to get us right, bro. We're going to be good this year, man. That's we awesome. need that work. Like, that's a good locker room. Like, yes. they're competitive and they don't like getting beat but then they'll like joke around and be like mm. like all right so that's a good media note for everyone listening is if you see rookies getting complimented right now let's wait yeah no. but if after the pads come on you start seeing rookies getting complimented it's, you know the team real. really fucks it's with the real guy. yeah even like wide receivers they don't even need like if if one's like amazing it's still different under the lights though and it's still different when you're running across the middle and could get hit and like or it's they just, just let it's you just go. different like there's a lot of guys that are super athletic and make incredible catches but like under the pressure of the lights they can't perform you know what yeah. i mean that happens sometimes and there's a lot of guys that just can't transfer that ability and just Really, you just have to be like, yo, the same stuff I'm doing, what made yeah. me dominant, you just got to keep doing it and not even think about the fact that you're in the NFL. It's just a jersey in front of you, do the same stuff that you do. You ha- know what I mean? Have you talked to Sam at all, Darnold? Yeah, a couple times, yeah. 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 He's a good young quarterback. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be good. I think so, too. Yeah. He's my guy. I like him a lot. <laughs> all right, so I have three stories that I kind of want to talk about that are either lessons that we could have learned, lessons people should have learned, and I have a nugget. I'm going to start off with the nugget. Uh, st- coming out of Dallas camp right now, Travis Frederick apparently looks really good. Apparently he's on field running plays, was practically an extra coach last season. 
And I know just from like looking at offensive lines, Dallas has been one that you've had to keep your eyes yeah, on for a long time. They're awesome. They're and really to good. do to have a good year last year without him, if he is able to come back, I'm personally looking at Dallas and go and watch the fuck out. Oh, because for sure. they just drafted Connor McGovern in the third round to kind of compete with Connor Williams and provide insurance if Frederick can't play. Because he had this this disease that they don't even know exactly what it is oh, yet. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, but if he's able, I just think that. that's something I'm looking at right now. Look out it's for crazy. the Cowboys if he comes back. That's just a little nugget. Something that um, we need to learn or I thought we learned involves one of your teammates. Le'Veon Bell was not at voluntary camp. Mm-hmm. And you would have thought that he insulted everybody's mom in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. He came out and he said, here's what I'm going to say. When it's time to play football, I have to stick to my formula that I know that works for me to be the best player I can be. I'm not just trying to win games. I want a ring. I want to desperately show everybody what I can really do. I'll take the heat right now. Mm -hmm. Everybody will forget about that when January comes. Mm -hmm. So his statement included this. I have a formula. Mm -hmm. I want to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I'm going to perform big this season, and I'll show you around the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And people were offended by that. They were offended by that. People were like, fired up about people that. People are, but they're going, they're going. Yeah, if you care that much, you're going to be around your team. Blah 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 blah. Adam Gase comes out mm. and says he was here the first week of off-season workouts. He was. He was we here. gave him a lot of good information. He's got a good training regimen to go through. He knows his body. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, the coach was like, we gave him the information. He's signing off. Yeah. But every television. I'm, I'm watching Good Morning – I'll call him out. I'm watching Good Morning Football. I'm watching shows on ESPN. I'm watching shows on NFL Network. And all of them are going, I don't know. I think you should be there. I think you should prove it to people, blah, blah, It's their bodies mm-hmm. and voluntary workouts. It's voluntary, man. Yeah. Well, this is what happens. This is every debate on television. They debate the word voluntary and how it means you don't have to be there. And then some blowhard comes over the top and goes, if you really give a shit, you'll be there. Tom Brady did not go to training camp last year. Walter Jones never showed up. Fletcher Cox didn't go the year before. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, oh, we'll see if both of those guys won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady won last year. Fletcher Cox won the year before. Aaron Donald held out last year, missed everything. Mm-hmm. Fresh. And, and one defensive, defensive player of the year. <laughs> it came back fresh. What do we need to explain to people that pr- preservation is just as important yeah. as preparation? I mean, also, it. like, it's not your fucking body. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just don't understand how we're still having the same fucking debate all the time yeah. when it's been proven every freaking year that these camps, as long as you're working out on your own and learning the playbook, mm-hmm. do not matter. Yeah, it's true. I, I, just, I don't get it, Kalachi. It's true. It's, it's true. I know. I just like you yeah. saying that. It makes me feel more validated. <laughs> but that's that's. It, it, I wouldn't say that they don't if matter. You're a ro- if you're a rookie, yeah. you got to be there. Like we saw it impact. I feel like there's certain positions. Rookie, okay. quarterback. If you're new to the system, offensive line. If you're new to the system, right. But there's certain positions that are so like instinctual, like running back. That it's like, come on, defensive dog, like, line. Like, D-line, come Like, on. it's just, you're just breaking on. Exactly. You know I mean? like, like, ball. Yeah. <laughs> know what direction to go. Hit the hole. Do your thing. Know who to protect and protections. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Le'Veon, I saw a quote from you that said he's busting his ass right now. Yeah, he's grinding. Yeah. Yeah. What's that like to see? 
it's it's this is the guy it's you're good. blocking for, man. It's it's good. Like he's he's working. I can't wait to see like him put the it's gonna be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like the way he's working to see him put on pads and carry the rock, like tote the rock. It's gonna be dangerous. If he I'm I love rooting for guys to prove a lot of people wrong. And I'm one of the few that think that what Le'Veon did contract wise was a smart move. Oh, he held out. He didn't get that much more. He got a lot more in guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And, and also, he got a year off with his body. Like, think about Marshawn coming back. Like, dude felt amazing, great, explosive. You can't, you can't even tell like how old he was. Like, right. how, like you know, like all the young rookies. Like, how are you moving like that? Like, because he had a year off. Exactly. Like, that's huge. Do you think it's more important at the running back position, or is it valuable for any position? It's valuable for a lot of positions. Like. Offensive line would be a position where there's a lot of banging. Yeah. Um, for sure, running back. They get they're hit all the times. Yeah, exactly. They get hit as much as us. If they're getting the ball, they're getting hit. And if you they're know? not getting so the ball, like, they're blocking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. it's. I'm excited. I just I think it's cool that people are going to question Le'Veon, and he could come back more well-rested with a better offensive line now with, like, you there. Mm. And – I, I've liked a lot of the additions you guys have made this year. Yo, Harrison's going to be a dog. Yeah, talk about that. So he was like my work, workout partner for Strain. It's this thing like this. It's a crazy workout, Justice is Psycho. But like like we like compete or whatever. Like we're like in the same workout group. Yeah. Like the O-line, me, Winters, like a lot of us like compete. Yeah. Just the way that he works, how athletic he is, and he's intelligent, the questions that he asks. Like he's going to be like under the one of those under the radar guys. How old like, is he? Do you know? He's, I think he's. I don't know. He's young though. He's a, he's a younger guy. Uh, are you from talk- what I well from talking to the guys like in the locker room? Talking, they they were saying that Jonathan he, Harrison, the yeah, center. Yeah, yeah, the gotcha. center, Harrison. Yeah. From what guys were saying, like they they said he should have started last year. From what guys were saying, they're like really? he should have been the guy last year. So. Well, I, I watched some of the snaps uh, in that Miami game. You probably haven't seen that with the Jets. They needed a center. So if, if Harrison <laughs> could be the guy. That's awesome. I can't wait to see him play, bro. Like, I'm excited from what I've seen. I can't. That's one guy that I'm excited to see. But I thought the signing of Jamison Crowder was great, like a guy over the middle for a quarterback like Sam that looks over the middle. Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley. C.J. is a good Such addition. a dog. You did not cross over with him in Baltimore. No, he, I did. Was, yeah, we were in Baltimore together. For, what, like a year? Uh, was it two or one? Definitely for at least a year. Did yeah. you pitch him at all in the Jets? Or did he just – he was already – Nah, I didn't pitch him. I didn't man. pitch him at all. That's awesome, though. Yeah. It's it's got to be great to see your team sign guys like that. It's it's dope, especially when you know it's a good player. Like you you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like I faced that guy. Yeah. Like I I I see I seen him work. Like I know how he like moves. Like I know what he can do. Like the last lesson that I had is a lesson that I think we can all learn. Uh, Sean McVay came out, uh, favorite coach right now in the NFL, and said that he fucked up and that he actually overanalyzed the Patriots. And what's funny in our culture right now is people see headlines and they make jokes, but they don't read articles. So the joke was, oh, I overanalyzed, I coached too hard. Sean McVay came out, and this was a Sports Illustrated article, and said he watched every game the Patriots played last season, including the playoffs and their two most recent Super Bowl appearances. And apparently when he said the last part, he shook his head and he was like really upset with himself. Mm -hmm. He said that he watched 20 games in that two-week period to get ready. And his quote was, you see stuff that worked in week three, but you forget that so much has changed since week three. You can watch so much film that you lose perspective. That's I could. Yeah, that's accurate, though. Like, I feel like coaches usually I mean, they'll watch all of it. But then, like, 
I feel like they'll just they won't really go in depth unless it's like the last four games. You right. definitely I feel like it's not common to go to other Super Bowls and stuff like that and watch the film. Like you want to see how they're playing teams and how the team's progressing and what their tendencies are within like the last I don't know like five or six weeks because that really gives you like there's different guys in the year before and in the year before there's not 100%. even the same players how are you gonna evaluate that so but like I can see that because you're taking time away from actually looking at what they are now I so think I the 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 thing is one that's the power of Belichick is he's gonna he's gonna make you go maybe there was a trick play in Super Bowl in 2001 that he might bring back and I want my team to be prepared mm. but the thing that I think that we can all learn from this is make the main thing the main thing in everybody's life you can get caught up in the bullshit oh I gotta respond to these tweets oh yeah I gotta go get lunch with if you're not focusing on the most important thing you're going to take a step back because you're taking time away from it and I think that's what I took away from Sean McVay saying that is in everybody's life, don't get caught up in all the bullshit. There's a reason that Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing every day because he doesn't want to focus on that. He wants to focus on the main thing. And if you can keep yourself focused, whether you're a job, whether you're in school, whether you're young, like this is a lesson I think we can all learn, whether it's with your family and not getting caught up in bullshit. And oh, what happened a year ago? It doesn't matter. Where are you now? I just think that's a lesson that we can all take and kind of go focus on the main shit, do what you do great, focus on what you do and, and, and how do you make that better and the things that you aren't that great at, how can you minimize that mm -hmm. and then do that. Stop mm -hmm. focusing on what other people are doing. Because that true. that will get you caught up in a whole yeah, lot of it's, bullshit. It's a terrible. It's a terrible. terrible and idea. I think he it's realized that. Be, yeah, for disaster, you want to have tunnel vision. You don't want to be too worried about anybody else. You need to focus on yourself. You know, you got to be present in the moment and take care of your business. A thousand percent. Yeah.